10 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our shop stewards corner here on the mighty Metro. And uh, this week on our platform where we take a look at what's happening on the shop floor, we um, shine a spotlight on something that came out of the Department of Employment and Labor uh, a few weeks ago and uh, certainly to very little fanfare if I think about uh, how we often respond to uh, similar matters. And it's a process of developing a, a new set of regulations aimed at limiting the employment of foreign nationals in South Africa. And uh, the new legislation, we are told, uh, would not only be limited to the road and uh, transport and freight sector, but also other industries uh, which are known to employ a uh, relatively high number of foreign nationals uh, as employees in those sectors. These include the hospitality sector, the restaurant and security sector, and also, I guess, uh, seasonal farming and agriculture. And uh, joining me now to make sense of uh, what has given rise to this particular approach and uh, whether or not it responds uh, to the nub of some of the issues that have emerged, uh, certainly in the work that is uh, historically been done by semi and unskilled workers. I'm joined on the line by Labour analyst uh, Mamukheti Molopiana. Mamukheti, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Ayabonga. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Mamukheti, I mean, I want us to to maybe start off. Uh, hey, I, I'm hearing a reflection. Do you mind just switching off your radio for me for a second? I, I don't have a radio. I have load shedding, though, in my area. Oh. But can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can hear you clearly. Let me just fix my levels on this side. Sorry about that. So, Mamukheti, let's maybe start off here. I mean, uh, you've certainly been following uh, labor issues, um, not only just in the mining and the security sector, but across the South African economy for a long time. And it seems now that, uh, you know, the Department of Employment and Labor has decided to respond uh, um, as part of, I guess, its new role as the employment czar uh, within, uh, within cabinet. To this call, many South Africans have been making around unfair competition between themselves and foreign nationals in certain parts of our labor market, especially those industries that by and large employ those with limited or no skill. What's your sense of how, I guess, this response has shaped up and whether or not it's going to be able to respond to the challenge? Uh, yes, hi. The, the response is not surprising. And and you'd recall that even on social media, there has been a, a populist, so to speak, a momentum gaining ground about put South Africans first. But I think we know over the past, um, since COVID started, the impact of unemployment, the, the, the job losses has been significant. So I think, um, and when you listen to President Ramaphosa's response to Parliament uh, just a week ago or two weeks ago, it, it, it's been something that probably has been discussed within the alliance partnership and obviously became part of of, of government discussion. And therefore, it's not surprising that um, now... Um, President has set up an interministerial committee to look at dealing with um, the employment of foreign nationals. And hence, it's not surprising that such mm. a committee is led by Minister of Labor, and it is particularly focused on dealing with migration of foreign nationals and the employment, their employment in South Africa. And it's going to be a significant shift, um, if we are being honest, um, how they are going to be tackling it. Because not only does it look at um, labor laws, but then it looks at migration laws. So, for, mm. for, 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 for example, the Immigration Act 13 of 2002 is very clear about how the legislation should be applied. Um, and, and Section 38 of it says it is 
unlawful on the part of an employer to employ somebody, a a, a foreigner in South Africa or non-South African citizens without ascertaining Mm. their status. But of course, we know workers in vulnerable industries have shown that employers Mm. really have paid little attention to it. Yeah. Mamukati, I mean, it's quite interesting that you mention, you know, the existing uh, procedures and processes. I mean, I know when you, when you, apply for a work permit for somebody from outside the country there's always this expectation and you sometimes even given a list where they say look don't go and look for a truck driver in Zambia because we have on our database these 50 truck drivers and we think you should maybe interview someone from this list does the shift from that to now quotas in specific vulnerable sectors reflect I guess a despondency with the enforcement mechanism both at the Department of Labor and also at Home Affairs because one would think that if, if the enforcement was happening um, and compliance with the law as it currently stood was already happening, we wouldn't need a quota, or, or maybe am I missing something here? No, no, you're not. Absolutely. It all comes down to the fact that enforcement mechanism, monitoring mechanism, and, 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 and ensuring that rules or regulations or acts are adhered to by employers has not been consistent, but has not been biting to the employers. As such, um, the pressure now comes from many South Africans who find themselves outside the economy and, 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 and mounting pressure on government to do something about unemployment. And even it comes, by the way, from within the alliance, uh, probably from within Kosakis and various key uh, 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 people within the alliance that emphasis now in this era of COVID, mind you, is going to be trying to to put um, um, to, to to look at containing um, how companies or employers or firms um, hire people, but also the kind of um, um, foreign nationals they hire, whether it's based on the skills and or critical skills or intra-company transfer. And we know mm-hmm. that in South Africa, at the higher level, uh, the assumption is that at the corporate level, somebody with critical skill or intra-company transfer rules are often adhered. But we would be so wrong to assume that and assume that it is at workers that are vulnerable, such as farm workers, domestic workers, security, that's where rules are broken. But when you look at the trend in the past 15 years, we know that even within corporate uh, establishments, because mechanisms meant to enforce the laws are lacking, it is easy to look over the other side and ignore the rules. So it's not just at a low-skilled level, workers only, that there is a tendency to break the laws or ignore the laws about hiring non-South African citizens. Mm. So, so if we haven't been able to enforce the laws in the past, what's going to be different with this one? Nothing, really. Um, and I know it sounds so abrupt and to the point, but it, really, it is really nothing because experience with the Department of Labor, in particular, and I wish somebody from the department was there so that we engage with them. Experience from the Department of Labor has shown us that over the past seven years, where critical enforcement acts were required, be it, for example, in employing of foreign nationals and following up, be it in terms of health and safety, be it, as we see now, with the UIF payouts or with the UIF registration of workers, the department has drastically failed and fallen short. 
And I know to somebody listening who works in government that they can often say, why are our people like Mama Khati being so hard on government? But when mechanism meant to contain rules and when mechanism meant to enforce rules but also to contain ambitions of of, of people who are determined to break laws fail it emboldens actions such as we are seeing where uh, employment acts and rules are not followed out but also in terms of immigration acts um, when it comes to employment are not adhered to or, or, or followed Mamukita, I want us to, to pause here for a second. And uh, when we come back, uh, uh, I want us to paint a picture here of some of the vulnerability in many of the sectors that have been earmarked here. But also, uh, effectively, some of the uh, employer-employee relations, especially as they pertain to uh, foreign workers in many of these sectors. I mean, I think of the agricultural sector as one where massive use of seasonal foreign labor uh, under terms that... Uh, would certainly, you know, in many places be seen as akin to slavery. Uh, and I want us to, to touch on some of those issues and some of the experiences you've seen in the security sector as well, uh, and uh, even in the mining sector, which uh, probably has a slightly different dynamic when it comes to foreign workers uh, with its own unique history. And we'll come back to some of those issues after this. 20 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our Shop Stewards Corner here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, we are taking a look at uh, some of the new regulations that could limit the employment of foreign nationals in uh, key sectors of the South African economy, least of all those uh, uh, where uh, employment is largely of those who have very limited uh, or no skill at all. And Mamukheti, I was saying before we went to the break uh, that uh, it might be helpful to maybe paint the picture of uh, the different trends, patterns when it comes to the employment of foreign nationals in different sectors of the economy. Because as I was saying, uh, it's probably a different dynamic one would find in the mining sector to maybe what you would find in the security or even the agricultural sector or uh, the often spoken about uh, hospitality and restaurant sector. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the trend we consistently see that has been consistent for the past 20 years. So even somebody can say... as soon as uh, South Africa became democratic, is that, and I highlight this, that the division of labor is not only a matter of space, it's a gender division of labor, where men and women occupy different places in the labor market. Um, and, and by that I mean, even with the hiring of foreign nationals, the women who are not South African are completely um, 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 at the most vulnerable and arguably the most exploited the most exploited at the same time also we are seeing that the proliferation of the private security industry and its growth um and its um and its success as the demand for security becomes such a priority has um mimicked the traditions that are inherent in the mining industry in that it has come to rely on cheap labor, cheap black labor of African nationals who are desperate for any kind of employment with or without the proper uh, immigration documentation. They will be hired and are working in terrible conditions with poor uh, uh, wages, with poor working conditions, but also do not have access to the channels and mechanisms often reserved for South Africans who are unionized or are members of unions within the security industry. So it's more tellingly 
is that uh, the private security industry has almost mimicked um, how co- co- uh, the private com- private sector in apartheid South Africa exploited, extracted, and 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 ensured that uh, there's a continuous supply of labor. Uh, unfortunately, the continuous supply of labor in this instance means more African nationals coming into South Africa. Uh, as such, it becomes an easy process for them to get labor, cheap labor, but also to replace the workers. Mm. And, and I mean, when we look at the issue, I, I often, I, and maybe let me share how I often see it. Uh, my, you know, the, the sense that there's always a an actor in this entire situation that we always sort of make very invisible when we speak about regulation, which is the employers themselves. Um, what about some of these vulnerable industries in the South African economy lend themselves to such sort of flagrant abuse? Uh, and the flouting of some of the regulations in the way that we've started to see. I mean, the only reason, to my mind, that people will go and intentionally employ a vulnerable foreigner is, one, their vulnerability in relation to the law, so they might not have the papers to be in the country and on that basis are willing to, I guess, effectively not claim any of the rights that would be due to them. I think the other is that there's the sense that there are labor laws for South Africans and there are labor laws for you know, foreign nationals, which are certainly, from my understanding of the law, isn't necessarily the case. Yes, um, absolutely. So oh, you, 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 you are right that there's a positive, there's, there's a um, zero-sum game for, 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 for companies that have thrived in employing foreign nationals and that they perhaps are the most gained uh, in the flawed mechanisms that are in place. But also... It will always be, I think for me, about extracting surplus value at the lowest and most minimal cost that is encouraged to the employers or companies. But at the same time, and it's something we cannot run away from, um, the exploitation of of, of black bodies by companies that are historically, by the way, Ayabonga, so, um, a South African, and have, um, have, have, have their foundings in South Africa and are steeped in the, in the historical culture and practices of corporate South Africa of how to, to exploit workers, but also how to take advantage where government seems to be failing in enforcing the law. This has, in a way, flourished or succeeded because um, uh, the, the regulator slash government slash uh, politicians have some of them straddled uh, not, they're not so invisible line of being the employer, the regulator, and at times, because of the nature of the BEE businesses and so forth, but also the player in the industry, as we have seen in the mining industry and other, and other sector. And as such, it becomes that thin line suddenly becomes blurred completely because it suddenly it's no longer about the, the, your, the interest of government, but it's about pushing the interest that you occupy as a business person. And we've seen, and that is why we have seen, for example, in the private security industry, some of these companies have 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 have, have BEE partners that are politically connected or politically well known to enable mm. uh, this process, and in a way justified silently or, or or not so silently justified. But then you look at the farm, at the farming industry, that has much 
like mining, has historically exploited people, but has relied on seasonal labor coming sure. from other from 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 other from other countries. At the, at knowing that these people or these workers do not have the rights and will not raise up or create any problems for for the farming industry, and as such, it has thrived on that. Momokhiti, uh, I guess maybe the last question here is uh, from where you're sitting. I mean, one would think there would be also be unintended or intended consequences of this particular decision. Um, if indeed it does go through, I guess, uh, these new regulations muted as they are in their current form. In the sectors you are familiar with, what is your sense of what the outcome will be? Uh, I mean, or as you said earlier on, um, do you think, you know, the employers will just look at this and be like... Put the law down, yes, and let's see if you're going to be able to enforce it. Absolutely. The reaction could be that that employer will say, okay, you've played the ball. We'll wait to see how you're going to enforce it, knowing that the mechanisms have completely failed. Or it's going to be a matter of the dynamics we have seen play out in the mining industry where it is constantly taken uh, to court and litigated against or challenged or put before the courts. But also, we would recall that the private interests or the, the interests of the private sector are always, in a way, going to clash with government and depending on the kind of administration in order um, in place, one would uh, anticipate that if it is challenged, it's going to be a matter of many, many years of, of, of court battles to and fro. And that might, again, much like might create a vacuum and at the same time create a room for, for it to be exploited further. I do not think the private sector and the private industries that rely on foreign workers and, and hire foreign nationals is going to take this lightly. I think it's a matter of, okay, put it forward, table it, and let's see how we, we react from it, either by taking it to court or let's see how you enforce it. And it's, it's always going to come back to government where one way or the other is going to be fighting a losing battle on this one. Mm. I guess only time will tell. Mamukheti, always a pleasure catching up with you. Really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us.